Out Fittler. Puts on the step, goes right through, puts on the step again. Oh, go Freddy! That was magnificent stuff. Well, I shall not bury them. Marshall gets away, Marshall gets away. Marshall's still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. He beats O'Davis on the outside. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast prepared to put a malnourished giraffe prone to seizures at the Tigers' left centre ahead of Joey Leilua. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be chatting all about the weekend's games and everything else in between in the wonderful world of rugby league. But first I need to introduce my partners in crime. Of course, it's Xander Rosotto and Media Watch Mario. Welcome, lads. Been a while, mate. Good to be back. Yeah, how long's it been, Murray? You're good with um, actually doing the count, the day count. How many days has it been since we last recorded? Well, uh, since we last recorded, I've gone on a you know very small boat, landed on an island, and started talking to myself, and grown a beard down to my toes. So it's been about that long. Okay, so a standard weekend. I don't think it's been that long, which is good. How's everyone been during the week, guys? Of braving the wet? No, thankfully, no. I think all of us live on the top of hills somehow. I don't know if that says anything, but... <laughs> do, you, do you live in a castle? It's, it's more a pier. Okay, so yeah. you live like on a dock or something. Well, yeah, but, you know, one of those... You know, what's what's the term? A cape. Yeah, that's right, a cape. Oh, you're on, you're, yeah. You live in a cape. Yeah, that's that right. That sounds a bit more like Mario's childhood. Remember, he lives on that island. Uh, which With Dr. Is, Moreau. Yeah, 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 a really exclusive... It was like a club med. Mario grew up in a club med. I mean, that's an interesting kind of childhood to have. I would say shame on you, Xander, because a man's home is his castle, and if you can't quote one of the greatest Aussie movies of all time when the opportunity presents itself, then what the hell are we even doing here? Ah, the serenity. My heart goes out to everyone that's um, been affected by the floods, obviously. I hope everyone's okay. I don't think anyone's lost their lives, which is always good, but there has been a few houses that have been uh, washed away. A bit weird for me last week, I did yacht to work which was a bit strange and I, I hope to never do that again because uh, I'm not very good um, at yachting because I don't even think that's the verb. Um, look, we will get into some rugby league news, but before we do that, you know I always have to take us off course, a bit like my yacht on Thursday. I need to talk about the UN, guys. I don't know if you're across this story or not. In fact, I'm, I'm reasonably comfortably sure you're not. Uh, but the UN every year does a happiness index for the happiest countries around the world. I'm across this story. Yes, Finland, Mario, has been voted number one again. Now, again is even more interesting because I don't know if you guys have the same impression that I do, but Finland looks a bit grim. Have you ever met someone from Finland? They're not exactly exuberantly excited. Well, it's interesting you should raise this because, um, you know, you know my mother's a Swede. Um, I do, yes. And uh, I did remember... It when <laughs> Uh, my wife and I were down in Barrel with a bunch of mates um, a little while back, and we were all just sitting around, you know, in the area, sort of doing wine tastings and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And we turned on some random TV show. It was on SBS, of course, mm. and there was this crazy Finnish documentary, basically a, a about alternative body sex workers and um, and pornography. Okay, and that sounds like a, a wholesome family TV show to be. It sounds very Nordic, um, but anyway. <laughs> Bunch of friends. Did, this, this did anyone fuck? Did anyone fuck a whale? No, uh, but one one of the people uh, on set was about the size of a whale. Okay, um, but <laughs> I I did say we're like where did, where's this woman from anyway? Very mm. alternative looking, mm. um, and you know turns out she's Finnish. I remember asking my mother uh, afterwards. I'm like, so you know they're pretty well neighbours to you. What what are Finns like? She came across as a bit, you know, a bit out there. Is that the norm for Finns? Is that why they're so happy? Perhaps. 
And my mother, unprompted, said, no, Finns are a pack of psychopathic knife-wielding maniacs. Okay. Dead, completely deadpan. I'm mm. like, you're joking? She's like, no, they're known for carrying knives. They're fucking nuts. <laughs> and she, she, double, she was not kidding. So anyway, I found that quite interesting in the context of them being the happiest people. <laughs> well, certainly the Swedes don't sound like yeah. it, if, if your mum's any guide. So it just shows you, doesn't it, that every part of the world, because Scandinavia always gets this sort of tag of being quite progressive, but they can be racist too. Exactly. They're, and that makes me feel better about being an Australian. They're not quite as pale as the Swedes, I think. Maybe that's... Well, maybe they're paler. I don't <laughs> they're know. They're fighting over they're, sort of they're shades all, of grey. They're, they're all... They're, you know, it's the ivory and the bone. It's just... <laughs> you know. Mario, do you agree with this, mate? Because, you know, from my limited understanding of Finnish culture, uh, they have grim people, grim food, and uh, a grim climate. Where do you stand on the, on the Finns? I agree with absolutely nothing that you've said. I have spent time in Finland. Um, actually, I do agree with one part of what you said. You mentioned how, yes, even the Finns can be racist. Well, a country completely filled with white people pretty much can be racist. I'm shocked. When we were there, my wife and my brother and I, because we were spending time with his host family that he spent a year living with in Finland. And they did like to refer to anyone who was a criminal as being from some particular area of Helsinki. They liked to just to call Mogadishu. So that should give you a bit of a hint. In terms of them being super happy, I can say I was super happy when I was in Finland because while there I ate possibly the best meal of my entire life. It was moose that they had spent 50 euro per kilo buying. They didn't tell me that before they fed me three full plates of it. I was just throwing it down because it was the greatest thing I'd ever eaten in my life. Is that just because it was the only meal you'd seen on the holiday that wasn't whale blubber? Well, we'd also been to Italy and Spain and France before that, so no. Okay, fair enough, mate. Look, I'm, I'm going to draw your attention. This is in the same report, by the way, from the United Nations. And I know we're lingering on this, but fuck it. The, the report said it had to actually concede that the Finnish people are prone to melancholy and admit to eyeing public displays of joyfulness with suspicion. So how the fuck does that make them the happiest people on earth? When they see something joyous, Sander, they go, mm, I don't like that. Let's shoot it. Well, uh, or stab it. That's a case. Or usually whack it yeah. like a seal. That's right. It's an interesting contradiction. <laughs> it's a little bit. You have to worry when the nation's happiest person was Mika Hakkinen. Um, he sort of looks a bit like a Nazi youth. So maybe it's just really easy. You know, the standard's low, so... It being unhappy is enough to make them say that, yeah, I'm very happy. Look, mate, you always have to throw some kind of like nuanced logic into the mix. You know I hate that. We do a pre-show, and I say it every time. That's not what the voluntary tackle is about, so don't ruin it. Uh, but you're right. I now know that they're slightly happier than the Swedes, thanks to Xander, and I also know they're slightly happier than the Norwegians, obviously, uh, well, especially after Brevik. Um, then I'd have to do a quick mention now of uh, another podcast, Sports Best Friends, uh, Big T. Uh, gentlemen, you're going to like this. On behalf of the show, I was successful in a bet, a wager with a fellow podcast, and it was who was going to win between the Tigers and the Roosters. Seemed a bit lopsided <laughs> to me, but uh, the loser had to say anything the other person prescribed at the beginning of their show. So I've sent Big T uh, a little transcript of something I want him to open the show with. So um, stay tuned for that if you're uh, all the podcast listeners out there, sports best friends. If you want a little bit of a TVT flavour at the beginning of the show, you're going to get some. And here's a spoiler alert. It's about Mr. Leilua. We're going to go for some highlights, though, uh, from the weekend, guys. Some, it was a pretty exciting round of football, I thought, even though it was, it was wet in most conditions. It was essentially football meets an aquarium, but um, the standard was cracking, and especially that first game, that Parramatta Eels-Melbourne Storm game. That was amazing, I thought. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I was really surprised by how well Parramatta played. I mean, I think we all were. We, none of us tipped them. <laughs> I mean, you know. Unfortunately not, no. Um, you know, I, I in particular did not think that they were going to win, given that I had the Storm at a 20-point margin. I think you guys had six and seven-point margins. But, um, yeah, they the Parra really, uh, really brought their A game. And, you know, they played really well um, and controlled in in uh, conditions that I just did not expect them to be able to cope with. They mm. they tended to you know in years past, you know play a really good um, sort of day wet a uh, dry uh, track game, but yep. they um you know they played the percentages and they fought for everything in that mm. game, particularly Gutherson. Or maybe they're responding to your personal criticisms, Ander, which is constantly calling them flat-track bullies. That's right. Um, yeah. I thought Gutherson was particularly exciting. I mean, he denied three tries, was very active in attack as usual. But Mike Acevo, he was amazing. I mean, out-jumping George Jennings twice. We've never seen Zevo actually get off the ground before, um, but he out-jumped him twice for two tries. That was a good effort. I mean, out-jumping Jennings, absolute fraud of a player, is maybe not the hugest achievement, but yes, I I jumped off my couch and yelled, and my wife then yelled at me for almost waking the kids up when, when Micah took that catch. I honestly thought that was certainly the best wet-weather game of footy I've ever seen in my life, and up there was one of the best games of footy I've ever seen. And considering, you know, when you don't have a, a horse in the race, it's pretty... It's pretty good when you can get that excited by a game, even though, granted, my main team is usually anyone but Storm, so I suppose I did have a, a dog in this fight. Gutherson, he didn't offer a lot in attack, but it wasn't a very free-flowing attacking game, and so I think we can forgive that. His defence, his positioning, everything he did was just perfection, and it was amazing to watch. But what I think what actually impressed me more was on a weekend where it turned out that Luke Brooks was almost the worst player in the comp in the same field as Joey Leilua and Dylan Walker existing, you know. Uh, Mitch Moses, the supposed flat-track bully, dominated that game with the ball. He was just absolutely in control the entire time, and he he did everything right. Every time they were leading, his kicking game was absolute, absolute perfection, and I was rather impressed. That being said, he has a habit of being good at the start of a year and not so good at the end of a year, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, his long kicking game in particular in that I thought was something that really put a, a particular edge that the Eels had over the storm, especially when I mean, there were times there where the Eels were struggling to get out of trouble and he was just kicking them 60 metres into the corner. But I was going to mention that. It's just this a, a, a typical Eels start to the season where they come out of the blocks fast and by mid-year they become decidedly shit. I'm tempted to say this is different just because of the nature of their win. Like, I mean, in, in years gone past, they come out of the blocks and they, they don't, they still don't tend to beat really good teams first mm. up. Um, you know, they'll beat teams that they're kind of expected to beat and they'll thump them. Yeah. Whereas playing a game like they did on Friday against the Premiers in those conditions, to, I think that that speaks to a difference in character. So yep. we'll see how it goes. But the, it, to me, the quality of that win was, was a departure. Um, other big highlights on the weekend, lads, I thought we had to point out. David Fafita up against his old club scored a double. What did you make of the Titans' performance? I thought it was interesting to see the big brother-little brother relationship completely flipped on its head, even though last year, obviously, Brisbane were worse uh, by a margin. But this was the expectation this year that Brisbane would be worse. And the Titans, well, I think they showed a little bit of what they can do. How bad were Brisbane? Like, that that game was over, you know, by halftime pretty well, really. Mm. Um, they just... They they were missing tackles left, right and centre. And, and by the end of it, you know, Fafita just... 
was walking over them at will. I mean, they, yeah. they scored a couple of late tries to put some respectability into it, Brisbane, but, you know, it was, yeah, it, w- it was almost unrecognisable just how much more dominant the Titans were. I mean, last year, mm. their, their games were still a little closer than this. And, you know, mm. Walters and the new regime have come in and, you know, we've all, all been expecting change at Brisbane. And they look like they've gone backwards. I thought Milford went back to his old ways in defence. Yeah. He had um, one good half of football this year and yeah. it's just like, he can play again. But no, he can't. No, he can't. <laughs> Fafita just had a bit of a bit of fun with the Mario. Um, it's, it's a bit of a false sense of security for the Titans, you think, because they had a good performance, but it was just against the Broncos. When we did our tips in the first round and I tipped um, Warriors to beat the Titans, I had Titans fans jumping on me saying, what the hell are you talking about? And I said, I think the Titans are going to be good this year. But I think they're going to take a little bit of time to get those combinations right. And I think their first five, six weeks are going to be not overly impressive, but look for them at the back end of the year. I'm still okay with that. Fafita, he did what you expected him to do. He, the, the, um, the sort of kick-out try that, he, that he's got in him. Um, you know, he, he, he did it well, but he doesn't, still doesn't do a lot in the general game. And the Titans are going to have to... Fight if they're expecting him to be a, a Taumalolo style player, they're going to be very disappointed. But as long as they're playing him more in that kickout style of just oh, not even that, maybe kickout's not the right thing because kickout he's sort of a crash and crash and fall over guy, whereas you know Fafita's more likely to do a bit of a dart, uh, you know, a step and get bust the line sort of thing. So, but I, I still view him in that style to a degree. And I think he can be very good. He's just not going to be a meter eater. Yeah, well, and both players are extremely damaging. And that, that's certainly where there's a similarity. And, and uh, yeah, I guess they've both got long ranges in them too. For, for big guys, they are capable of putting on a 40-meter solo try. Uh, occasionally, David Fafita will even put a kick ahead and, and a regather. So he's, he's quite a skillful man. Um, I, I'm sort of inclined to agree with you, Mario. I don't think... It's very early to kind of make any bold predictions about the Titans. Um, I think they're going to be better, but I still I worried about what I saw in that first round. To be honest, against the Warriors, when the Warriors applied the blowtorch in defence, um, they didn't really have any answers. They were quite boring and pedestrian in attack, but they looked a little better against Brisbane. But I do think that our predictions of Brisbane finishing towards the bottom of the ladder are. Looking well and truly vindicated. Only one of us put them at the wooden spoon, I think. That might have been you, Xander. No, no, I put St. George as a wooden spoon. Oh, did you? Okay. Well, I think we both put the same. Uh, No one put them then as a wooden spoon because Mario's got the Warriors there. Are you regretting that one, Mario? He's got the Warriors and St. George both sharing the spoon. That's that's equal (laughs) points and equal for and against. (laughs) That's right. They're going to actually break convention and split the spoon. In hindsight, maybe the Warriors are less bad than I thought they were going to be, which is surprising because I still don't rate Brownie at all, but they've been okay the first two weeks. The team that, if I'm not jumping ahead, um, that I think are really disappointing are the Cowboys. They're terrible. They give me a lot of hope that Manly are unlikely to finish the spoon, even if Tommy doesn't come back for the entire year, which frankly looks more and more likely every week. Um, the Cowboys are shocking. Since you've mentioned that, uh, Mario, I want to throw to Xander because he has some uh, a couple of lines of inquiry to throw your way about Manly. I know he was quite keyed up pre-show. In fact, at one point he was frothing at the mouth. So uh, before he dribbles any further, Xander, can you lay it on Mario for me? I was just wondering, um, you know, how the Dylan Walker experiment at fullback is going. Uh, just if you had a, some thoughts on that, just really curious because I, I, you know, I hear there was there was high expectations at the start of the season for how this would work. Don't know if it's working that well. 
And um, how did you feel about the incredible scoop from the Daily Telegraph's Buzz Rothfield, where he uh, he broke the story that Des's contract was under threat, and then twenty minutes later, the Herald broke that it was extended. <laughs> And for a second, you can imagine the roller coaster of emotions that Mario was on then too. Oh, just that that afternoon was just gold. They'd been thumped by the Roosters, and the Telegraph were trying to say that he was under threat, and then they announced pretty well immediately afterwards that bam, he's locked in. I just never thought my club would become the Dragons. The Dragons are like, okay, we've got a alleged rapist in our club. Let's support him and keep him in our top 30 for years and years. And no matter what, do everything, bend over backwards at our own expense to keep him. And so, of course, Manly decide, let's do that with Dylan Walker and Manassi Fino. We can do it even better than you guys. The, and, and then the Dragons were like, I've already forgotten what Xander said. I'm so outraged. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I wanted you to be, to be honest. That's uh, that, that was all he was trying to invoke, mate. Dylan fucking walk. Oh, yeah, sorry, the Des Hasler thing. So what did, what did the Dragons keep doing? Oh, look, we're going very badly. Let's re-sign Mary McGregor for another two years. And then they kept doing it. So Des Hasler, here we go. No one wants him. No other club right now are beating down the door to say, let's sign Des Hasler. So there's absolutely no obligation on us to sign him for anything. If he doesn't like it, fuck off. But fine, we'll give you the finish of this year. We'll give you your contract. Let's see how you go. Prove to us that you deserve the job. Prove to us that you're not stuck in 2011. Oh, look, you've lost the trial. Well, that's only a trial. Who cares? You've gotten flogged and made shocking selection decisions that literally everybody knows are wrong and gotten flogged by the Roosters, who, granted, are very good, and everyone predicted we'd get flogged, so maybe that's not so bad. But against Souths, we had the opportunity. We Cade Cust had scored a hat-trick and... and got all the try assists and all these other players had done all these great things. Sadler in reserve grade was amazing. We needed a back rower. Let's put him in. Oh, no. Let's not put him in. Let's keep him in reserve grade. Let's keep Morgan Harper in reserve grade. Let's keep Funa in reserve grade. Put Dylan Walker, who has literally never once in his career had a decent game at fullback. Never once. His main memory that anyone should have of him at fullback for South Sydney was getting fended 30 metres by um, Corey Oates, who's now a reserve-grade player, mind you. So Corey Oates is better than Dylan Walker, and yet Dylan Walker's starting at fullback for Manly. What the fuck kind of shit first-grade club are we? Send us to the championship in England, whatever they call it in the second division, I don't care, because we, we're a joke. And right now, fans who are saying, oh, merge them with the Sharks and send them to Perth or merge them with whoever, well, frankly, I can... I... I I struggle to argue with those people because we deserve to be punished right now because Des Hasler is being rewarded for mediocrity. In fact, for worse than mediocrity. I'd settle for mediocrity because that might get us ninth. So it seems as though Xander uh, Mario's in favour of Dylan Walker wearing <laughs> the number one, from what I can glean I from just, that. I just uh, wanted to backtrack a little bit on this suggestion that they should merge with the Sharks and go to Perth. See, I don't know who's been starting that rumour, but maybe uh, the, the club should stay, but Dylan should go. I mean, I don't know if we can pitch that as an idea. Could you just relocate one shit player to Perth and just say... Without a football team. Yeah, without a team. Yeah. Just just cut him loose completely from the competition and say, grow and prosper. We can't just focus on highlights, though, gents, from the weekend. We also need to focus on some low lights. Uh, and I want to start with the Tigers, Gabe, because there are a couple of culprits here. Uh, BJ Lalua and Luke Brooks. Their defence was diabolical against the Roosters. I know the Roosters were very good, but... Gee whiz, Lalua is just a rusty gate in the wind, isn't he? He just doesn't put in. 
and and they actually defend together, which is sort of double trouble, sort of shades of uh, Milford and Boyd uh, from last <laughs> year. It, it, you know, and I, I went to watch this game at a pub with a mate of mine who's a Tigers fan, and I did say to him pretty early on, I said, you know, the Roosters are just going to run traffic straight at Lalua, don't you? And he kind of conceded, and that's exactly what they did for eighty minutes, virtually. And now I'm reading that maybe he actually f- might finally be cut by Madge, who's been holding on for a long time to this mirage of a player, uh, and he finally might get the boot. But how did you guys see it? Well, I thoroughly enjoyed watching <laughs> watching us attack down Lelua's edge, to be completely honest. But yeah, I, like the guy has been a liability since he played for us. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. he just you know, yeah, he, he has the odd good touch, but his judgment is is. I think is like the poorest in the NRL. Yeah. Um, like you know, the week before he was he was he he put attempted two offloads in early in the tackle count on his own five meter line and gave the ball away. Yeah. Like that that is the kind of player you've got with. So him. it's also not just his defense. He does some really odd things yeah. with the ball as well. The one thing their man is is extremely strong, but that's that's the only thing that's sort of going in the pro column. The rest are poor positional play and defense. Hangs the arm out. Can easily get fired up and give away penalties. And as you said. In really crucial moments, he just throws the ball on the ground like a dickhead. Uh, as a Roosters fan, as you said, I enjoyed it, um, but nothing will make up for the 2010 Grand Finals, Ander. That's the issue. He did, <laughs> he did concede two tries in that game, and he lost us the match. And That's Raiders, the way I saw it. Raiders fans also equally enjoyed watching him uh, play <laughs> trade for the Tigers. I had a friend of mine who's a Raiders fan saying, Jesus Christ, I'm thankful he's no longer playing for us. Oh, mate, it was so good. It was That was the only reason we won that game, because it was 14 v 12. So he's cost two teams grand finals, when you think of it. Yep, he has. And and poor, well, he won't ever do that for the poor old Tigers, because they'll never make it there. <laughs> um, but no, and, and on Luke Brooks, guys, do we still see him as the number seven for the Tigers moving forward? I mean, I haven't seen him there for about a season, I have to be honest. I think that he actually deserved a stint in reserve grade to see what he could do and, and fight his way back into the team. Instead, it was Benji who got the chop and uh, everyone and, and Madge obviously put all the pressure on to, to Brooks to be the man to lead the team. He's meant to be emerging from the shadow of the senior players, but um, I've got to say he has emerged from the shadow and I don't like what I see. Sort of reminds me of the groundhog seeing its own shadow and then retreating back into the, uh, into the cave. Luke Brooks does strike me as a Bill Murray comedy. I think you're being unfair on Luke Brooks because, one, I mean, just bear in mind that one of those Brett Morris tries, you know that beautiful flick pass that was passed to him? Well, according to Foxtel, that was passed by Luke Brooks. <laughs> Try assist. Yeah, well, you know, maybe that's that's right, mate, because uh, Luke Keery didn't get a single fucking Dally M point out of that one, and he kind of set up every single try. I thought that was atrocious. Oh, he had such a, an incredible game. You've got to love that. It's going around Sam Thiday. No points for Luke Keery. <laughs> Just gave it to... I don't know if the issue here is the, the point system that everyone's making a big deal of. Maybe it's the selection of the judges. And I, I actually like Sam the human... But I don't like Sam, the, the the rugby league judge. I don't necessarily think he's an astute judge, and I don't think he should be wearing that hat. It's a, a fucking moronic system. Look, I mean, I hate to say it, mm. but they, they should not have... I mean, look, there are ex-footballers who have good judgment and, and would, would make good judges of uh, the Dallium, but I think, really, they should be trying to make this thing a little bit scientific and having statisticians who, you know, 
who have an understanding of the game, but yeah. people who but are, d- who are numbers people. Dale Finucane would get it every <laughs> fucking time. He'd t- the Dale, the Daily M every year would be Dale Finucane under a, a statistician. No, no, but that's what I mean. You need, you need, you need a, a balance of somebody who understands the game and, and you know, what, what is beyond the numbers, but also takes account of them. And not just, well, I thought he had an all right game, but Luke yeah. Curie, well, was he there? You know, like yeah. somebody who, who tallies, if a player is, you know, contributed to five of seven tries, they mm. should get a point probably. I think so. <laughs> you know, like I mean, but is this the, the flaw in, in fundamentally what award systems are, right? It's subjective and it generally comes down to a panel or a judge. Yeah, yeah. But I think and there you should know, be... it's never going to please everyone all the time, is I, it? I know, I'm like, I, granted, but I think there should be some framework that we work around as opposed to just... Sam Thiday throwing darts at the wall. Exactly, right? <laughs> there ought to be some rigour there. Yeah, I think so. Because he yeah. also had two points, Darren Lockyer. Made yeah. no fucking sense at all. <laughs> Mario, would you like to see this system overhauled at all? Because there's been a lot of talk about it. The one, two, three system by one judge. Should there be a panel? Should it be one point through to ten for a little bit more of a meritocracy? Or do you like, like it the way it is? I think I talked about it on the show last year at one point. But, I mean, if, in my opinion... As well as he played, Brett Morris shouldn't get three points. He, Brett Morris in that position, he did really well, and he's an absolute great player, one of the all-time best. But only one of those goal, those tries were scored because it was Brett Morris. Almost like most good wingers score two of those three tries for sure. And so the way I see it, he didn't really contribute anything to the game that made the difference between anything. So I love Brett Morris, and I'm happy for him to get some credit. But as you said, Luke Keery was the man of the match as far as I'm concerned. He was the best player on the field. There's a case to be made for Teddy. There's a case to be made for whoever else. But it's not Brett Morris and it's not Dane Laurie. Jesus Christ. Um, in terms of the point system, I mean, I, I just use the bloody NBA system for goodness sake. It's not perfect. It's still a little bit narrative driven. But it's still at least narrative driven between the one or two best players. Like last year, had LeBron won it over Giannis. Well, that would have been okay. Giannis was the best player, but LeBron would have deserved it too. You can handle that. Whereas the, it, something like um, Jared Hayne winning 2014, Jack White winning last year, well, those were bullshit. They were not the, the, the two best players of those particular years. It's garbage. It, just have a system that actually... Pick a system. I don't know what it is, but have Andrew Ferguson and David Middleton pick the pick the points. I don't care. So people that have an actual brain, not just the most moronic moron they can fucking find. Buzz Rothfield and Sam Thiday combining to to smash their tiny heads together. Do you think? Uh, also, big shout out to Giannis. He's a hell of a Dragons fan as well, as it turns out. Um, do you think the issue here, lads, is the fact that when you do play the Tigers, that everyone does look like a man of the match? Yeah, that- that's. I think that's that's part of it. I mean, you know. Uh, the Tigers uh, this year it was interesting reading a lot of the the hype in the lead up to the the season. Um, Madge's you know finally been able to build the team that he wants. It's taken him this long to do it. Oh, this <laughs> is Madge, this know? is Madge's team now. <laughs> it's exactly well. Fucking, I can't wait for this because you're going to take ownership of the absolute fucking shit train that this season is going to be, and then we might all finally start talking about how ordinary Madge Maguire is a co- as a coach. I'm, I've, I've been looking forward to that discussion for, what is it, eight years now? Um, but for whatever reason, the narrative in the media seems to be that he's rebuilding. You I know. know. How long can you rebuild for? Yeah. You know, this is 20 years after and, 9-11. And, and the rebuild did include him uh, acquiring Joey Lee Lua. Now I've after, got a, after 2019. I have a theory about that, and I told you this pre-show, but I get the, the-, the feeling that 
Maguire is persevering with Joey Lalua because he's a fan of Luciano and they're a bit of a package deal. And I think if if he drops him, he he worries that Luciano's either his form will drop or he will want to go somewhere else because Joey does have a history of getting his nose out of joint when he gets dropped and he fucks off to another club. And I, I get the feeling that that's the conundrum that Madge Maguire might be in. If, it, if that was the case, would you persevere with Joey to keep Luciano? It's a bit of a Sophie's choice, although the babies in this particular instance are fucking gargantuan. <laughs> Not for one second. BJ is so bad right now that I would let three players walk if it meant he left. Any three players in the team walk. He's that bad. Yeah, you can't afford to hemorrhage that many that many line breaks a game. Uh, and, you know, the irony being that Madge really put on some extra starch in defence was the big pre-game, the pre-season talk. That certainly hasn't happened. Um, another low light was uh, Kafusi, guys, uh, the hit on Ryan Madison. Is it me or is Ryan Madison the most hated player in the NRL by other players? Because it seems like every time he takes the field, someone tries to take his head off. There's an elephant in the room, which is that as soon as you say that anyone intends to hurt somebody, that you're saying, oh, we're back to the 70s, the bad old days of Les Boyd, blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. Kafusi, anyone watch that? Go back and watch the replay of that hit and actually look in his eyes. You can see him looking. He pauses. He looks at Madison's head. He raises his elbow and drives it before he does anything else. He is driving his elbow into that head and slams his head into the ground. You can pretend it was an accident. You can pretend it got out of control. It was not what he intended. Fuck off. He he meant it. He meant it. I don't give a shit. And Kafusi has a history of it. I'm not saying all Storm. You know, hashtag not all Storm. I actually like a lot of the Storm players these days. I know that's a shocking thing for me to say of any people, but I like a lot of the Storm players. Kafusi, out of anyone left at that team, has a history of being that guy, of being the guy who's gone out to hurt people. He's done it many times, and he meant to hurt Madison. And the fact that the rules are that when you get put on report and you injure somebody and they have to be removed from the field, you are supposed to be sin-binned. That is the fucking rule in rugby league these days. It was applied on the weekend, but not for a purple jersey. Apparently, it's a rule for one team, but not for the Storm. It, it reminded me a little bit. I mean, it was, wasn't quite as bad, but you're right. When you looked at his eyes, it, um, it, it, there were shades of the Ben Fowler incident in the Super League, if you remember that, yeah. where the player was down and he, you know... Land so higher. Yeah, exactly. Just straight punch to the face. I mean, it wasn't, you know... But it, it wasn't quite as blatant it was, as that. It wasn't quite as blatant as that, you know, but it was, there was, there was the, the eye contact and the, mm. the, the clear intent. Well, as Mario said, I mean, this he actually has form on the board, Kafusi as well. This isn't the first time he's done this. He's, um, you know, he's, he leads with his elbow with the ball and without it actually at times. Mm. And I always find that with him, he tends to be more illegal when he's out of form. I think he's one of the few forwards in the Storm system that's out of form and has been for over a, over a season. You know, he was very very good uh, in that 2017 season. Uh, I guess everyone was in that Storm team. But Kafusi was great that year. He hasn't really been the same player since. And I feel like this grubbiness has sort of crept mm. into his game to compensate for the fact that he's actually out of form. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. You're right. He, there, was, there was a time there where he seemed unstoppable, but he's, you know, these sorts of things have definitely crept in. But I think this was just 
this was just so blatant, particularly mm. on the replay. I don't know. He's got to he's got to go for weeks. You think he'd have to go for a couple of months? Well, a lot of talk about the fact that he didn't even get sin binned. I think I agree with Mario on this. I think I mean some people were saying he should be sent off. I, I didn't know if it was too grey for that. I would hundred percent sin bin, mm. and you would have had to have thought about the send off. I yeah. think it's somewhere in I think between. It, I think it qualified as a send off. It like could. It was, I mean, I, I wouldn't pretty, have blown up about it yeah, if it was. I, I thought it was bad enough. Uh, it wasn't reckless. There was, there was intent there, and if there's intent with an elbow to the yeah. head, you should probably go to uh, and it, and it be connected. Sent off. That's the other yeah. part, right? It didn't yeah. miss him. It yeah. fucking connected. So what I just want to know is, at certain points, sin bins at least should be more common than they are. And I've I've said this for many, many, many years. If you do something wrong, sin bin. Sin bin all the fucking time. Anything that goes on report almost, sin bin them. Even if it turns out you shouldn't have. The way I see it, if a ref thinks something's bad enough, or at the very least anytime someone's injured, absolutely sin bin. Because th- whether he gets two weeks or ten weeks, wh- how does that benefit Ryan Madison and the Parramatta Eels who were the victims of what he did? There is n- absolutely no benefit in, in, in a two or ten week suspension of any player to the team that is the victim of the foul play. There needs to be more reward for the team that, that is put out. Madison was taken out for the rest of the game. That easily could have led to the Storm winning the game because Kafusi stayed on and Madison didn't, which took gave the Eels a pl- one fewer player on the bench, one fewer player available to play, makes them a bit more tired, etc., etc. Never mind how good a player Madison is or isn't. It's just a simple uh, a numbers game, and that gave them a numerical disadvantage. And so what he did by doing that, especially if you consider that he's an out-of-form player, as you say, isn't it easy then for you know to get some bench player who's out of form and say, go take out that guy that's in form. You'll only get Sinbin. Who cares? It's an interesting one. And we've had this discussion before. But when you look around at the, the, other, the other football codes and how they treat, effectively send, send off Sinbins, you know, yellow cards and all that sort of thing, league is at a kind of um, midpoint between Union and AFL, where in Union... You get sent off for everything. Like yeah, it, I think it's too far. Yeah, I, I think they've gone too far. Like I mean, it, I saw someone get sent off for breathing too hard <laughs> in the game it, that it, I watched. It's it's gotten to that stage, yeah. right? Like, and their re- forwards are fat. They all breathe hard. They've got like emphysema. Falling on, you know, and forwards are fat uh, in rugby union. Falling on another player sometimes warrant uh, warrant a, a yellow card or a red card, and, and you just see it so often, and. It turns games, and it's it's applied so selectively. Mm. Whereas in the AFL, they refuse, even though they've got, they've got one of the highest uh, concussion rates in Australian sport. And it uh, shows in their cognitive ability, doesn't it? <laughs> they still think racism's okay, particularly the TV commentators. But yeah, but no, but they they refuse to even even countenance um, the idea of um, uh, sin bins and send offs. Yeah, not a lot to damage, as they'd say. But I know what you mean. We are. We, I think that's actually a really valid point and a way, a good way of looking at it. Where NRL is in the middle, but if you think we're in the middle, does that mean you think we're doing a good job, or does we still got some ways to go? I because think, the argument is, hmm. if Kafusi's not getting punished for that, then we're not where we need to be in terms of head knocks. It's it's a really tough one, right? Like, I mean, I've I've I had had this discussion separately with with um, a couple of mates of mine about. You know the the effect of of the red and yellow cards in rugby is so drastic, and sometimes they're they're applied in such a ridiculous manner. Mm. Whereas you know I, I, you can overcorrect and you can just destroy contests, like whether oh you know you've you've um you've you've given a love tap on the guy's chops, it's just slid up over the arm, red card, bam, that or player's completely fine. Joey Lalua calls that a copybook. <laughs> yes, but you know even when there's light contact, um, and there's been no no damage to the player, 
they they'll send them off. So there's no real um, there's no real wrong that's being corrected there. Mm. Um, but you've just completely uh, killed that contest. Yeah, there needs to be some sort of a sweet spot in the middle. I think the the, the NRL is probably a little bit too on the light end. Um, yeah, and the unions too far the other way. The AFL's off the reservation. Look, that's my fear that. You know, I, I also don't want to corrupt the contest. I do think that at the end of the day, the fans and everyone that's viewing at home is there to watch a contest and you don't want to see it necessarily intruded upon too often by sin bins and send-offs. So when you said before about, you know, even in doubt, just put them in the bin, are you running the risk of, of having too many games where it's like 10 versus 8 at some point? I mean, how extreme do you want that to go? You end up with a beach volleyball team. I mean. <laughs> exactly. Why not just bring back the five-minute sin bin? So you've got you've got um, reckless and careless things, right? And that's hard to define on the spot and blah, blah, blah. And you've got pure accidents. So don't have a penalty for a pure accident. If you and I are running and we just happen to head clashes and it's clearly incidental, play on. But let, let's say, maybe, I hate to have outcome affect, um, affect the punishment. I've never really been a fan of that, but I don't know how you stop that from happening. So let's say that has to happen. If you, anything that looks like you've swung your arm, if you get them in the head, if they're injured, 10 minutes. If they're not injured, five minutes. Automatic. Maybe that's the solution. Just to backtrack on something you said about AFL uh, being racist, did you guys see the um, AFL fan in the stands with a Nazi, with a bloody swastika on his hat? Yeah, that was, wasn't that Eddie Maguire? (laughs) Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) No, I did not see that, i got to admit. What? Yeah, I think otherwise known as Essendon Colours. <laughs> Jesus, I'm just looking up the story now. It's an armband. It's an it's a swastika armband. Fucking hell! Like, do you, can you get that in the merch shop? Jesus. <laughs> but even that, that's another proud day for AFL. Extra, extra. Come get your fake moustaches you know, here. I actually have the term AFL muted on my Twitter feed, so I just would have missed it. Oh, you're a good man. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a smart way of doing it. Um, look, we're in, in, uh, we can't leave this out, uh, especially because one of our number one fans is Giannis. Big shout out to Giannis Mateus. Ben Hunt, boys. In yeah, his, a cracker. In, in his best yeah. game since his debut, I think, uh, this week. He played sensationally. Is this the dawn of a new Ben Hunt era? I know it's only one game in. It's a stupid thing to say. It's very Fox still of me. Um, but he did look to have some kind of renewed confidence, and he has got the skipper uh, next to his name this year. Could Hook bring out the best in Ben Hunt? It's hard to say when it's against a Cowboys side that he's just pathetic at this the moment. This is true. Um, but it, it, was imp- it was an impressive performance, given that they were playing up there in Townsville. He was taking the um, line on, though. So was, regardless yeah. of the opposition. And he, he should... like they, he, they bombed about three tries that he effectively set up. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, he had, yeah, he had a really... line could have been a lot worse. Yeah, no, he had, he had a cracking game. Um, and Jesus, I... Didn't Peyton look a sorry figure? Like I, it's two games in and he looked like he was having a nervous breakdown. Yeah, I think the whole uh, town Malolo thing, I think it, he's, yeah. he's wondering, mm, was that a mistake? Did he really break his hand? I was starting to <laughs> Yeah, I did think you it know. was a conspiracy theory there. Town Malolo, if any listeners aren't aware, is out for four or five weeks with a broken hand at training. Although the week before he was chastised by the coach. So people are wondering if he's just taking a spell to say, fuck you, Todd. I think he actually broke his wrist, in my opinion. But was it the right thing to do, Mario, to have a go at Tamalolo? And two, Ben Hunt, thoughts? Has he turned the corner? The, the jury is certainly out on Todd Payton as a coach at this stage, but I thought the Tamalolo thing was the, was pretty much the right way to do it. He, he was asked a question, he answered the question, and I'm totally okay with it. I think a, a coach should have the balls to call out his star player, call out any player in his club, not just 
you know, keep them there forever. Shout out to Des Hasler. Um, in terms of Ben Hunt, I've wanted him to succeed for a long time. You can be sure that he's wide enough that his coach wants him to succeed. Um, but I, so I do, I hope that he has turned the corner. I hope that the, the team around him is good enough, but I definitely don't think we can make that conclusion based on the, the opposition that they had. I know Giannis, when we had that chat with him, he was dirty on virtually everything to do with the club, but he did defend Ben Hunt. That was the one person that he did go into bat for. Um, said he's probably been uh, too harshly maligned over the years. Um, and I think for that, for Ben in particular, it is a confidence issue, isn't it? There are times he seems to go into the game literally with his head bowed, which you know is not a good sign. But in the last match, he really looked exuberant and he was actually taking the line on. He's a great runner of the footy. That's the thing. If he, It feels like he doesn't know that. But when he runs at the line, Ben Hunt is damaging because he's... You know, he's, he's a guy that can weave and duck and step through lines, and he, he's got a good dummy on him. He's not terrible in the speed stakes. He's certainly no uh, Flanagan. Poor old Flanagan. Jeez, he's slower than Manu, Mario. But um, no, I actually get I get a good feeling that Ben Hunt might be returning to some level of form. Um, so if he can manage to maybe execute Corey Norman, they might have a good year. He was good, though. Corey was good on the weekends. He was pretty good. You mean on the craps tables? No, I mean, I thought he actually played quite well. But again, it was against the, the Cowboys, and let's see him do it you know, consistently. I hope he does. Just not against Manly next week. Mate, uh, speaking of gambling, though, Josh Morris uh, has gone to the police reporting some abuse online from some fuckwit who was having a go at him for costing him too much money uh, on a multi. I don't know if you guys have read this or not. I did. Yeah, he got called a, a dog cunt. I was going to say C-bomb, but it's the voluntary tackle. We, we hide nothing. How do we feel about this kind of story? Because it seems to be getting more prevalent. I know that uh, in last season there were a number of players who came forward and said that the, the level of abuse, that the quantity of it had increased in terms of it being re- its relationship to gambling on the sport. Do you think that the NRL should do anything about this or is this just sort of one of the hazards of gambling on sport? I think it's definitely one of the hazards of sport and gambling on sport, mm. particularly when it's put so front and centre by all the football codes in Australia because yeah. of their relationship with the betting agencies. I, I think some of these fans think they're, they're staring at a fucking pokey machine. It's, it's, it's insane because, you know, you like, I mean, sadly, because it is an addiction, um, you know, people are going to be really irrational and stupid with mm. gambling, unfortunately. And, you know, the fact is that it's a, it's a system of transferring wealth uh, between people who've made good calls and bad calls. And if you just made a bad fucking call, mm. um, you know, yeah, sure, that um, that play might have cost you money. But, hey, it's also won somebody else some, a lot of money <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. So, so you know, swings and roundabouts. Yeah, um, I mean, for everyone that's abused Josh Morris, heaps yeah. of people want to buy beers for <laughs> BMOS. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> for, for, for getting, uh, you know, two hat-tricks in, a, in uh, two weeks. But, no, um, it's, it's insane. I did see... Um, Josh Adokar had come out, um, you know, he was copying abuse yeah, last, last year. year. right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had that great placard that says, nobody gives a fuck about your multi, <laughs> which I thought was the perfect response. I know. And you know what? That fucking image came back at me on Twitter when I put out my multi. That was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> fucking, I got nothing but Adokar memes coming back at me. I wasn't aware of that fucking image. I can tell you that. It I was, am now. It was, it was good fun. Like, there was a few things in that game. Because I had a friend of mine, I think I was telling you pre-game, who had a multi um, on uh, the Roosters to win, but for the total. 
total score to be uh, less than 44.5. And <laughs> just at the end of the game, James Tedesco nailing a sideline conversion after not being able to kick them from in front the week before. It's sweet, uh, isn't it? It was just, it was hilarious. Just just got over that 44.5 point margin. So I sent him a message straight away, mate, uh, straight away going, was this you by any chance? <laughs> Do you guys think that um, you know if if someone's been found guilty of of harassing or insulting a player over a multi like this, that all the sports agencies should get together and say you're banned, you can't ever use our services again? Why don't we see some kind of action? Because they're they're entwined in the sport, right? They're all major sponsors in some mm. way. Surely they can get together and go. If someone's been found guilty of this, you're banned for life from our service. Well, that, I, I did see the betting agency um, that uh, the guy was a member of did mm. ban him. Oh, um, good stuff. But I don't know if, he, you know, the ability to do that across the board, I'm pretty sure that Bet365 would take him just because they're a pack of, you know, you know, completely scummy subhuman assholes. So possibly the yeah. worst. Did you ever see that damning report that came out about their internal structure? And yep. Yeah. yeah they, they, they Basically, are, if you win too much, you're gone. Exactly. They, yeah. ban, they ban successful punters. They are, they are yeah, the, they're the most scourge of the industry, aren't they? <laughs> Fucking winners! We can't have those. I know, like they, they are possibly the worst. They, they're like a, you know, if you could, if you could have a pyramid scheme that was a gambling, uh, which corporation. I do. I'll talk to you about <laughs> um, after the show. Yeah. Like they, they are probably the ones who would take them. So I don't know how you would, uh, how you would make it across the board because there are very bad actors. Uh, Mario, I know you're not a big gambler, mate, but do you have any opinions on this in terms of the repercussions for a fan that abuses a player like this? It's got to be chargeable as a criminal offense what what he's done it was so over the top but that being said let's assume it's not the fact is there's nothing stopping the nrl just taking the stand and the guy's social media was extremely easily tracked in that thread you could see numerous people basically doxing him um and honestly sucked in you deserved it he, he could be banned from at least all the australian betting agencies could ban him um all the nrl clubs could ban him from the grounds and that sort of stuff just Take some action on people like this and set the standard because every time you just roll over and accept it, you're basically telling other dickheads like that that they'll get away with it. Yeah, he should be banned from attending games. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to, if you want the right way to troll a player, just go and look at Jack Cronin's Twitter and see how he trolled Willie Mason the other day. That's the way to 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 talk shit to a player because they've said dumb shit. So you, you get them back with the right wording. and you, know, you don't have to have a Mario voluntary tackle rant. You can just have a sensible rant. For what it's worth, I too uh, could have benefited from $700 on the Roosters-Tigers game because I had Tupanua, Brett Morris and Lindsay Collins as a triple anytime uh, try scorer. And the first two got up early and Lindsay made two clean line breaks at the end. Could have scored, but made a bird of it and passed twice. Now, did I get angry? No, sure I did, but I didn't threaten him, <laughs> and I certainly, uh, you know, I wouldn't have like pursued him online. Uh, I mean, I do have his dog Charlie, and um, if he scores a double next week, Lindsay will get it back safe and well. Do we have any opinions here on the video ref guys? Obviously, I've I've gone on about this in the last couple of weeks as a rule that I I just sensed is going to be bad, and two weeks into the competition, I still fucking hate it. It's the rule where. The video ref kind of works in the background. You don't see it, but then they pull it up maybe sometimes two minutes after everyone's celebrated. How are you? I mean, I'm still firm in my opinion that this is a bad step, but 
You guys seemed a bit more neutral on it. Have you liked what you've seen or have you not liked it? I, I, I'm going to jump in and say I'm a complete convert. I think it's okay. fantastic. Right. Um, and the reason is, is it, 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 you know, when the video ref comes in, it, it is fairly rare. Um, and what it does is it removes the forensic and needlessly painful, um, uh, you know, reviews of really obvious tries. And that used to just drive me fucking spare. But it's still so forensic, games. right? It's still happening. You but just you can't don't see, see it. it, right? Yeah. You, you're able to enjoy the try. Yeah. And then for all the ones that are obvious and you know are going to get you know, uh, confirmed anyway, you just don't have to go through that crap. And then occasionally, you know, and it, and it has been occasionally, like, you know, uh, the odd one will get pulled back. And I'm kind of all right with that. I just don't want to be part of the process every goddamn time. But isn't there an alternative solve there, Zen? Could we not have just said to the refs, Look, try not to go to the technology every fucking time. When it's a non-sequitur or a no-brainer, back yourself and make the call. Be prepared to make the call. Don't worry about what the fans... The fans will whinge regardless. They'll whinge when the video ref gets it right, right? The, the Buzz Rothfields of the world will whinge when the referees get it right. That's always going to happen. I just wonder if we actually just need to tell referees, just use the technology when we absolutely need it. Otherwise, it can be a captain's challenge and we play on. The the only solution there is is the captain's challenge rule, but they're just not ready to do that. I I'm a I'm a fan of making it a pure captain's challenge system. Yeah, Maybe you so get an I. additional one um, for a try, but short of that, I think this is a better system than okay. than what we had. Mario, I, I'm getting a sense from you. I think you're nodding along there. I couldn't quite tell, but are you are you with Xander on this one? A hundred percent. I want decisions to be right. They're getting them right more often than not, and the decisions are happening much more quickly than they used to. So to me, it's win win for everyone, except for the. Whole, I mean, it's certainly what PVL wants. If the decisions are quicker, then the players are the game's quicker. The players are getting tired, more tired and stuff. But you know, that that's the way he says that we should go, and that's fine. Um, I'm more issue. I have more of an issue with forward passes. There's been an absolute million forward passes this weekend. The the Eels Storm game, for example, both teams did an absolute shit ton of them. The one that got pulled up against the Storm was backwards, but numerous. Many others were forwards. Your try off the Lindsay Collins break, that, that pass was three metres forward. Ah, oh, that was you know, backward out, backwards out of the hands. He was travelling at 45 no, kilometres an hour. No, it was thrown forward. It That's was physics, thrown mate. forward and the guy was in front of him. He was in front of him. If, he... I don't know if Lindsay's capable of travelling at 45 kilometres an hour, to be honest. But I don't, and I'm not having a go. The point is, there was a million of them. Yeah, no, there's definitely been uh, quite a few in that round. I don't know if that's... Symptomatic of what that is, actually, because um, you know normally they're pretty stringent. You know what it might be? I feel like there might have been a pre-season pep talk there in regards to forward passes and knock-ons. I don't know if you've noticed that there seems to be a little bit more leniency with knock-ons as well. There's a lot more knockbacks. Tiny bit, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, there was a season there where everything that touched the mm. ground, they just called a fucking knock-on. Season a, a decade, you mean? Well, yeah, I mean, and that is ridiculous. It's frustrating <laughs> yeah. when yep. there's a knock-back and they just go, knock-on. Yep. Um, maybe they've had a bit of a word with them about forward passes too, Mario, I'm not sure. Yeah, but that's, a lot of them, they're not close. I mean, the, the, the Storm game, Para 1, was the one that was most obvious. Most of the games had some forward passes, but that game, I swear, Storm at least threw 20 forward that weren't called and Para at least 10 that I remember seeing. And some of them weren't subtle. There was a few, not just not just tries. I mean, Alex Johnson threw that pass against Manly. Who cares? Manly deserved to lose. I'm not complaining. Not rest folding. But one of the passes Alex Johnson threw back inside. Everybody could see it was three meters forward. And I'm just like, how does the ref? How does the ref miss that? How does the touch judge miss that? Do we just need 
uh, a really fit person whose job is to run up and down the line, and all they rule on is forward passes. They just have to be in line at all times and rule on forward passes. It, I don't know. I don't know what we need, but they're so obvious that everyone can see them except the people making the calls. Well, this might come back to an episode that we recorded last year about football technology, which was the whole idea was it being able to actually clock things like forward passes and take it out of the hands of touch judges and referees. Don't know if that could be a solution down the track. But my big thing here, guys, and I, I actually partially agree with some of the points you're making. You're converting me a little bit here. I know, on, especially on the time-saving aspect, I think it has pacing things up. And I, I'm all for the game being less forensic. Uh, but my big thing is, is the casualty here the post-try celebration? This, this is my thing because no, I feel as though players, <laughs> after a while, when they're running in and they're jumping on each other's shoulders, they're very happy about scoring a try. I think if we go down this path, I think in the three months' time, we'll find that's been levelled sort of a, a dull roar. I think people will come in and they'll, they'll have a few sort of quiet gentlemen's handshakes. I hope that's a try. Uh, we'll soon see. We'll sit back with our hands behind our backs and we'll find out. I, I don't want to see the post-try celebration go anywhere and I feel like this system, it could be a casualty of war. I, th- I think that you're, um, I think you're off the mark on this one. Uh, because that uh, was what was happening previously, uh, is that we would see them score a try, they'd get all happy, and then the, then the, the on-field ref wouldn't want to make a call, and they're like, oh, no, hang on, hang on, uh, going to go to the video ref, and we'd all cheer thinking it was a try. Then we'd all sit there going, oh, looking at the fucking big screen <laughs> while he goes, ooh, did he really put that ball down... Uh, correctly, did he? Was there a tiny bobble in I, there somewhere? For the record, did, what was 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 there a foot that went near the sideline when he's five meters in from the sideline? And you're just sitting there going, "Oh, just call it a fucking try." And then they finally say it's a train, like, "Ah, oh, yeah." I got to say this, regardless of either scenario, I don't think I've ever <laughs> sighed sexually at a tr- at a try or no try. That's that's the, not in my DNA. See, see, to me, the way and and because I go to so many games as mm. well, like the the in the ground atmosphere is just mm. markedly different now. Yeah, um, like especially it, with that kind of collective ejaculation. <laughs> but, yeah, but it is, you know, when you when you're having the video ref check everything. It is such a deflating moment, and you yeah, feel it. I agree it, with you on that, right? And so this way, people, and you know, it, it's what you don't, don't see. You know, you don't you don't think about. Yeah. And because you're not seeing that process, yeah. Only every once in a while, where it, where there has been a fuck up. Does it enter your mind? And for mm. me, that actually means the the post trial celebration celebration is more boisterous and it's less uh, it's less molested by the process, if I can put it that way. I, I prefer you didn't, but okay, since you have, that's fine. Here's my okay, just to counter that. I mean, everything you don't see doesn't always make the outcome better. You know, think of something like a Facebook algorithm. You can't see that, but it's completely molesting it's your future of information exchange. So, you <laughs> this know, is not a like-for-like I feel like, I feel it's analogous, but no. anyway, we'll, we'll go <laughs> on to this because what if there is a, a point where, you know, there's a, there's a background decision that's all happening behind the scenes, the fans can't see it, but the video ref gets it wrong, right? Because the video ref is known to get, they're not infallible, they do get it wrong, and then the fans don't get to see that they actually made a blunder until they... That's even better. So you're saying that's even better. you're okay with blunders so, so, so long the, as the fans because, don't see it? Because that's the other thing, right, is that unless it's gone <laughs> to the video ref, the on-field uh, uh, decision, particularly if you're at the game, they're not showing the replays. It's just, well, you move on. Mm. But right? yeah, most people are watching the game at home. Yeah, I mean, you know, but the, the, even, even the on-the-TV on, uh, on the at the moment, the way it's being 
broadcast is that they move on if the video video refers back. in the mm. wash up of the game. Yeah. Maybe they'll go, oh, actually, they should have done that. But the game moves on much quicker now. Do you think this I is deliberate? That. Do you think that's deliberate on behalf of the NRL? I, I think. I mean, it, it, I think it's part of the decision, and I think it is better. Okay, well, how come we've been so critical then of the six again not giving us a, a reason for why the six agains have been awarded? I feel like from a viewer experience point of view, it would actually be beneficial for the fans to know why those penalties have been given. And I think maybe it is a deliberate tactic by the NRL. They want to move the game on. They want to keep a speed. But the cost of it is not informing the, the NRL fan all the time of what's going on. I do think... I don't I know think, if, I I think don't know if the different. balance is quite right there. I think they're different. And I do think, actually, interestingly, the six again this year has been applied uh, more clearly and it has been done better. But I think those are vastly... They still don't explain what they're for. Yeah, but they, they seem more consistent. I'll say that much. Um, they, they seem to be applied more sparingly. And uh, when, when they do, um, they'll often say, they will yell out something now. They'll say offside six again. Yeah, but you, I mean, it's hard to pick it up as a viewer, right? Like if you're at home, I'm, I'm not picking up what, yeah, what if you're saying. If you're at the game, you've got no idea. But watching on a TV, I've heard that. But it's, it, they, they, they are quite different. I think from an entertainment perspective, the, the decision to move the, the bunker activity away from the viewers as opposed to something like the six again they have very different impacts on the way you enjoy the game. And I, I would argue, mm-hmm. and um, be interested in Mario's opinion on this, is that the less we see of the video referee, the better. Well, I'm in favour of that. I'm just wondering if it's uh, a matter of actually keeping some transparency at the same time. But go ahead, Mario. I just pretty much agree with everything Xander said. I would like to just backtrack a tiny bit on your thing about the post-try celebrations. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, basic... basic Basically, Eamon, can you change your Twitter handle to Boomer Eamon? Because <laughs> what you basically said was, oh, I miss the days when Mark Riddell would jump up into the stands and, and clap himself. That, it was Footy was better back in those days, back in my day when we would walk barefoot to school, etc. <laughs> you know... I, I don't know. If, I don't know if Boomer and Riddell. I think he was. I'm going to change it. You don't. Don't you worry. It's a fucking good handle, Mario. Going to do it. Look. Think, yeah. No. Look. Here's my thing. Right. I just don't like rule changes that just make you feel weird, a bit off centre. Uh, like that time Jackson Hastings lost his pants and it turned out he had a micro penis. I felt weird as a viewer. I didn't like seeing that. Was that a rule change? I, well, it should have been. <laughs> it should have been, at least for his missus. There's a really big game coming up next week. We haven't got our predictions out. We generally put that out on social media. But Souths up against East. Not a fan of each other, guys. But I know Latrell Mitchell came out during the week and seemed very fired up about this game already, which worries me a little bit. Um, he, he kind of made out that it's, uh, it's, it's extra emotional, which makes it sort of sound like it's personal. Obviously, he left the Roosters under. It wasn't exactly mutual. There was a little bit of bad blood there at the time. Uh, the wounds have healed, I think, from the Roosters' side, but I don't know if they've healed from Latrell Mitchell's side, Xander, because he looks fucking fired up for this game. My question to the table is this. Who will get the better of the game? Will it be Teddy or Latrell in the number one? I think Teddy's still a better fullback. I mean, Latrell... He's had a couple of good games, but, you know, mm. they got found out against the Storm, you know. Like, in the Storm at the moment, uh, the context of the last couple of weeks and it sort of makes me wonder a little bit. They, they, they looked like they almost were going to lose to Manly at a certain point in that game. So, I, I, I mean, well, Latrell's... I was actually going to say to Mario earlier yeah. during his rant, I thought Manly fought back into that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, they weren't horrendous. No, they, they weren't terrible. They, they got within a couple of points and then South just pulled away at the end. And, and Latrell... You know he's had he's he he's looked really strong 
in patches of both games, but not through the full 80. Um, Interesting so you say that. I mean, I, I feel there's definitely been a shift in the way he's playing fullback. I feel like Wayne's, Wayne's clearly been working with him or his support staff or, or whoever it is because positionally, oh, he's both, much both, better. both in yeah. D and in yeah. attack, he's pushing up now, which he never... That was his big weakness. He wasn't pushing up with the play and attack. And you can't have a number one not being a central prong of attack. And he'd chime in from time to time mm. on one side. He's still left side dominant, but he's definitely playing that support role better. Uh, looks a bit trimmer. And I've got to say, positionally, when he's fielding the ball, he's a lot better than he was last year. He's, he's learning his craft, basically, isn't he? Yeah, no, he, he's much better than where he was. But, but let's be, be clear, he wasn't, he wasn't a great fullback last year. No, he wasn't. And he uh, was definitely yeah, behind the eight ball there. I still don't think that he's he's as uh, dynamic or as frightening as Pappenhausen. Mm. Um, you know, like he's a big body, he's scary running at pace. Um, but I, I still think that um, yeah, Tedesco as well. Tedesco's developed a passing game as well this year. Yep, and, um, and he kicks goals now. And he kicks goals. Pretty soon he'll be selling lamingtons <laughs> to raise extra funds for our salary cap breaches. <laughs> so he's um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I think the forward battle probably will be um, uh, one of the more sort of telling aspects of that game, as opposed to who's going to win the fullback, you know, uh, contest. I think that'll come down to who dominates up front, frankly, mm, uh, yeah. just because it's very hard to do. You know, and we saw this with South last year when they didn't win the forward battle. They, you know, like. They looked all at sea. Yeah. Mario, um, it's a pretty tasty matchup, mate, even though you haven't got any skin in the game here. If you had to play the, the role of fortune teller, who will come out uh, triumphant between Teddy and Latrell? I'm really torn on this game. If you're just talking Teddy versus Latrell, I'm impressed by your revisionism of history from only last year, saying Latrell was bad at fullback, totally ignoring the last three or four weeks before he got injured where he was the best fullback he in was, the game. But He was know, very good. On. I don't know about the best, but he was very he, good. Th- three or four weeks does not, uh, as does someone, not equal a season, and he was pretty bad for a lot of that. No. He, he had a couple of good good games at fullback, uh, and uh, you know they were not against the best teams in the competition. Speaking of not against the best teams in the competition, uh, the w- thing that worries me for you guys is that you've played two garbage fucking teams so far. We don't really know where you're at. Souths were terrible against Manly. There's no denying that. But they were pretty decent against the Storm. Round three, it's still hard to know. I feel like... I think you guys have got the slight upper hand. I think the pieces around Teddy are a little bit better at the moment on current form, and that'll help him look better. And just the, way, just the way the game is being played at the moment, I think is suiting your team better. I think Wayne will get Souths you know, up to speed with that as the weeks go by. But I think at present, you've got the upper hand. I, look, Xander, I think Mario raises actually an excellent point there. It's something I've thought about. It's harder to get a gauge on where the chooks are at at the moment because I don't think they've played any opposition of any chop. Uh, whereas Souths, I think, have had a a much tougher draw to start off with. There's um, been two games that we both played manly. I mean, the yeah, only difference is... That's true. The <laughs> only difference is they played the Storm first up. Yeah, which is a big difference. Yeah, it, we, uh, it, it is a, a big, big difference. It's a big the moment difference. I said it, I knew it was wrong. It is a big difference, but, you know, like, I mean, it's they, they've played one hard team and we've, we had, yeah. we got to play Leilua. Yeah, fair enough. Know. But, look, we haven't been put to an, an acid test yet. No, no. This is going to be it. Yeah. You know. And so does it, does it worry you at all that... Souths looked like they did measure up in that Melbourne game, even though they lost it. Melbourne played quite well, mm. and we really haven't had to be tested yet. Does that worry you a little? Oh, a little bit, but um, it, you know they, they've come in. That Roosters had pretty good trial form. Mm. Uh, they didn't drop a game. Yeah. Um, the uh, you know 
the side has, has done pretty well despite the fact that we've already had injuries to contend with. Pretty handy win against the Tigers. We've out, like obviously Jake Friend was out. We yeah. didn't, and Angus Crichton was suspended. We haven't still got Bradley's Bradley there. Yeah. Verils are still injured. There's some, there's some casualty ward there. Yeah. We don't have Cordner for God knows how long, possibly indefinitely. Um, that, that's the one big positive mm. in our favour, isn't it? There's a bit of depth there. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, you know, half of those blokes have, have been out the first two weeks and they've, they've still put up 40 points, you know, mm. two weeks in a row. Guys, we've talked about this a little bit in previous episodes, obviously, but the concussion and, and head knocks, and we touched on it even in this show with Kafusi. but Josh Kerr from the Dragons came out during the week and said he is willing to die for the game when presented with the argument that, you know, obviously being a forward, that if you've got X amount of concussions, maybe you should consider giving the game away. Um, and he was referencing James Graham's comments. I don't know if you guys remember yeah, this at all. That. When yeah. he came out, I think it was on NRL 360, and said, look, I've made a conscious choice. I'm aware of the effect that this could potentially have on me down the track cognitively, yeah. but I'm going to live for the present. Um, how did you guys feel about those comments? Do you think that, I guess where I'm going to angle with this is, should this be a decision that individual players make, i.e. often big front row forwards who are in their early 20s, uh, not exactly in the most mature years of their life, making decisions that might have a permanent impact? You're happy with the kind of libertarianism aspect of that and then making their own decisions? Or would you like to see the NRL create some hard and fast rules here and say, for example, you've had X amount of knockouts, uh, you're going to have to retire? Like, I mean, how seriously are we taking this concussion debate? Uh, I think it's a, it's a hard one. People will still choose to become boxers, for example. Um, you know, you're not going to stop people doing that. Um, if it's up, whether or not it's up to the game to make that decision, I can't really say because I think there's a lot of grey areas there. But I do think that players, to a certain extent, um, you know, they shouldn't. They they also um, should be advised, maybe. Um, in uh, with with greater rigor, uh, I don't know. That's that's the best way to Should put it. Should they have specialist people yeah. advising them? You know, within like, clubs, for example, or it's yeah, it, or NRL designated potentially, roles. right? Because I mean, you know, it's great for James Graham to say that you know, um, yeah, he he's uh, he's happy, you know, to to pay the price that he'll pay now, mm-hmm. um, but you know, if in twenty years um, he's suffering severe cognitive. De- decline is in deep depression and you know all of the all the football memories are gone you know i, I the the potential downsides are, are are easy to flippantly disregard yeah and i i don't think that they're being properly accounted for these are players that aren't particularly old they're, they're often front row forwards are in the firing line here as well and and with no disrespect they're not the ones that are necessarily thinking too deeply about their long-term futures i'm gonna i'm gonna say i don't like saying that like putting all front rowers with that brush. I've met various front rowers and some of them have been really damn smart blokes. Have I become a front rower racist? Perhaps. That being said, Josh Kerr, I question how many concussions that guy's already had. Um, It should never, ever, ever be up to the players. Not once, not ever. Because no no young person pretty much ever gives a shit about what their life will be when they're 40. It doesn't matter. I can say from personal experience, the amount of virtually suicidal things that I did that were just so stupid and so dangerous when I was 19, 20, 21, 
I never once at any point thought about the future. I thought about today. I thought So you're thinking about, for a footy player, you're thinking about your career. You're thinking about being the best damn player on the field so that you get that, con that fat contract tomorrow. And then again and again and again. No one cares what happens when they're 35 because what happens when you're 35 will take care of itself when you're 35. So we have to make, we, smart, the smarter people, and not me, but, you know, doctors and, and whoever and whoever have to make those decisions for them, whether they like it or not, and every single time. Xander, obviously Mario made some bad decisions in his youth. He decided to support Manly, uh, which is one of the long hangovers of um, a reckless youth, I'd imagine. But, look, I mean, the Roosters, without bias, they've probably been the club that have taken this the most seriously. That's the way it looks from the outside looking in anyway. You've got... Boyd Cordner, and now there's talk about Jake Friend potentially um, retiring early from the game. They, they rested Luke Keary for long periods because he's had head knocks. So it looks as though the Roosters are sort of the template uh, for how clubs might be looking after their players moving forward. But there's sort of a downside, isn't there? Because Roosters taking the health of their players more seriously than other clubs has also led to chat about some of their best players retiring early. So Jake mm. Friend, for example, a lot of the chat has been You've had a kid, you should retire. Uh, but we wouldn't be talking about that, I don't think, unless the Roosters took it so seriously. So there is a rub there in a way, isn't there? Yeah, there is. But, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really... I don't think that's, that's really um, the priority here. I think the priority is these guys' long-term well-being. Yeah. I think if there's, a, if there's a downside on the contracting side of things, so be it. I think Robbo's got the right perspective on that. You know, I mean, it's, it's always that difference, isn't it, between, you know, where should we let an individual make decisions about their own career? These are individuals. They negotiate their own contracts. Sometimes I'll have a manager, obviously, negotiating on their behalf. But when it comes down to health issues, hmm. I don't know what the official parameters are there. I mean, I don't think that there is a designated role from the NRL kind of intervening there. I think the NRL take this a lot more seriously than they used to. But then we see the incident with Kafusi. Hmm. He, he gets two weeks... And he looks to have deliberately knocked Madison out. So it does seem a bit contrary to what we're talking about a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, no, they, I mean, as I said, I think they're, they're um, if you compare them to rugby, they're, you know, they're, they're nowhere near as severe. Um, but they, like I said, I think they need to be, they need to be somewhere closer um, or, or somewhere further along um, in their, their, their approach to, to concussion protocols and how they punish players. I don't like the idea of sending players off for everything, but uh, you know something like the Kafusi incident required something much more severe. And look, and, and and we all know of senior players that have played rugby league 20, 30 years ago, um, that a number of them sort of turn up to functions and and they no longer appear on television for a reason. Mm. Um, you know, not to single him out, but Mario Fennick comes to mind. He's he's not appearing on television anymore because of his his injuries and. That's a really sad thing. I mean, the knowledge wasn't there then, but the knowledge mm. is there now. And I do wonder, you know, just how seriously most sports are taking the issue of concussion. I think it's going to be an ongoing conversation. I'm sure we'll continue to have it on the show. But to jump from something very serious to something very frivolous, it's time to bring back 90s trivia. <laughs> Now, before we crack into this 90s trivia, guys, I want to hear at least one interesting fact about the 90s from each of you. I'm going to put you on the spot. That's what this show's all about. We'll start with you, Mario. Give me one interesting fact from the 90s, and it can't include 
Mikhail Gorbachev because you constantly reference him. I'm just going to stick with our theme and say that Adam McDougall should have been rubbed out of the game in 1997 for stamping on Jeff Toovey. There you go. I wouldn't call it interesting, wow. but I, I'd say it's certainly malicious. What about you, Xander? Um, Tim Burton was originally um, meant to direct um, Batman Forever. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And then it, then it went to... It went to one of the Bruckheimers, didn't something it? Something like that. And then then uh, then I think, what, Schumacher or something got uh, got the next one. But it, that, that was meant to be another gothic, scary film. Um, <laughs> I love those first two Batmans. <laughs> they were great. They were fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Danny DeVito, still to this day, best role. See, that, that, this is this is the fun bit, if you want a good 90s movie uh, thing, is that the, the reason the studio dumped Tim Burton uh, was that, um, you know, he, he created this in- incredibly dark and frightening gothic Batman sequel with Danny DeVito biting people's noses off, but but all of the all of the um, all of the uh, uh, paraphernalia and the kit was like because they're like oh, it's a comic book movie. They made all these like m- uh, McHappy Meal like toys <laughs> and stuff associated with the movie, and they're like it just was. There's a disconnect there. Yeah, they, there? they they couldn't they couldn't move the shit because it was too dark and had to be like put it like MA15 plus. Can I have a cheeseburger, please? <laughs> uh, some cookies and some figurines of Danny DeVito biting off someone's nose, yeah. please. That'd be so, amazing. So no, they could have poured out sweet and sour sauce exactly. like out of the wound. That'd be fucking amazing. Surely the reason Tim Burton got removed is because he kept insisting on having Johnny Depp to play Batman. <laughs> See, back then he didn't. Him and Johnny Depp hadn't hadn't uh, gotten into their weird, um, you know, loving where he was, in, you know, in every single film he just had Edward Scissorhands. But um, yeah, for whatever reason, after two thousand, he had to be in everything. I got to say, I remember that a distinct turning point was the release of Big Fish. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. I went. Mm, that's the first Burton I fucking hate. And it continued on from there. Um, he, he started out with a flurry and it, went, it really went downhill quickly. It was a bit like Bradley Clyde's career. First one's to you, Xander. And play along at home. I mean, you could just turn it off. It's up to you. Um, what was the name of the Microsoft Office paperclip assistant that always popped up whether you want it to, to or not? Clippy. I believe it is Clippy. Uh, it, it, why is there no answers here? <laughs> Oh, no, there it is. It's down the bottom. <laughs> correct. Clippy is correct. So, Xander, you're on one. And because I've had quite a few gins, I'm going to mark this down because I know I'm going to forget. Um, all right. So, Xander is off the mark with one. And it's only up to three, and yet I have to – I know, it's up to three, and I have to do it. All right, uh, Mario, we're over to you, mate. It says here, let's do the maths, 90 style. Uh, just get to answer the score. Pencil's ready. That's too much detail. He didn't need that but I'm just reading it out verbatim so you can keep up with me. I want the number of things I hate about you and I want the number of senses that see dead people. Well, 10 and 6. Correct, mate. Yes, you're both off the mark. I'm going to mark this down again. Here we go. Absolutely great movie, 10 Things I Hate About You. I love that movie. I like the way out of those two movies, you heaped praise on 10 Things I Hate About You. That's excellent. Six Sense is not a movie I'm watching... Yeah, I'm not watching Six Sense multiple times. I've seen it; that it's it's done. Whereas Ten Things, the movie, you can watch multiple times and still enjoy. All right. Well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna riff off the cards here, and I'm gonna answer ask my next question to you, Xander. Um, Ten Things I Hate About You is a modern day adaptation <laughs> of what Shakespeare play? Taming of the Shrew. Correct. Oh, All right, we're at one. two here. <laughs> All right, here we go. So Xander's right on track to take you out here, mate. So you better keep up with him. Um, what became the popular name of the iconic hairstyle? Oh, you're in trouble, Mario. Um, that Jennifer <laughs> Aniston donned on the hit show Friends. Oh, the Rachel. Oh, for fuck's sake! How do you know that? 
That's impressive. How dare you bat that away with such a difference? Like, of course everyone would fucking know that. All right. Well, you're two apiece. You're both carving. So I'm I'm sensing a golden point, which I don't know exactly how that's going to work in 90s style, but we'll find out. Xander, what links these clues together, mate? Ganon, magical shield, link. I've got no fucking idea. Ooh, okay, okay. I I knew this one because I was a fan uh, back in the 90s. For anyone playing at home, it was The Legend of Zelda. They're all related Ah, to the Nintendo game Legend of Zelda. never got into Zelda. That was the one Nintendo game. I I thought you'd be so into that. That's so you. That's interesting. All right. You you, you keep surprising me. If it was a Super Metroid uh, uh, thing, I would have killed it. What a fucking game that was. (laughs) Still the greatest game of all time. Was it called Janus? What was the main character's name again? Was it Janus? Samus. It's, it's all Samus. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like Giannis. That's how I remember it. Greatest game of all time, Mario Kart. Oh. Says, right? <laughs> Mario Kart is not a. It's not a narrative-driven, you know, uh, deep-thinking, cavernous, incredible, uh, atmospheric oh. masterpiece of art. It's uh, mate, you obviously a... never discovered the hidden track where the Toadstool character gets done for pedophilia, and then it gets really deep and dark. <laughs> Uh, Mario, we're going over to you, mate. In 1998, what movie trailer appeared online that Steve Jobs described as the biggest internet download event in history? It was in 98. It was a movie trailer. Which movie was Steve Jobs talking about? I got nothing. You have a stab or not? Or are are you going to be like Cade Cust's last tackle options? You're going to uh, offer just, up nothing. Just, what's, what's the answer? What do you got? <laughs> Mate, it's uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace, which is, I know for a fact, right up Xander's alley, actually. I don't know if you knew that or not, Xander. I uh, wouldn't have guessed it. Okay, there yeah. you go. All right, um, so you're still two apiece. This is going to Xander. What active toy topped their TV commercial pitch by pointing out that there was a counter on its ball? I've got no idea with this one. That's very specific. Yeah, what active toy topped their TV commercial pitch by pointing out that there was an active a counter on its ball? Jeez, that's hard. Yeah, I've got nothing. It's called Skip It. No one's heard of that? No, I certainly haven't. No. Nah. That was a chapter of 90s <laughs> history that I'm glad I missed. Mario, <laughs> we're going over to you. Um, this is a spelling bee question, mate, so I hope you brought your spelling brain with you. Um, I need you to spell two names for me. One is Michelle, the other is Pfeiffer. Okay, well, Michelle is M-I... I assume she spells it the normal way, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. And Pfeiffer, I'm pretty sure, is P-F-E-I-F-F-E-R. Mario is on three points, but I can tell you what. You get an opportunity to tie it. Okay, but Mario's in the box seat here. I would have thought that he wins because I went first. All right, you win, Mario. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Since I don't really know the rules to my own game, um, you win, mate. And you know what? I think last time it was a draw. I don't know if anyone remembers or anyone cares, but pretty sure it was. I think that was way more exciting. I think that brings us to the end of the show, lads, unless there's any other last orders of business you'd like to bring up. That's a big no. Thank you for listening to the Voluntary Tackle for another week. Stay in touch with us uh, on the handle Voluntary Tackle on Twitter. Um, I think we're on Instagram and Facebook, although I think at the moment it's just pornography that's there. Uh, And not just any pornography, Jackson Hastings' micropenis. See you next week.
Yeah, we yeah. make a Patreon, and you just get Mario rants. Or maybe once no, a week. That should be that should really be an ex, an added extra that we put onto an OnlyFans page, and he can strip <laughs> whilst doing it. <laughs> <laughs> So he still gives the spray, yes, he but he just, takes his clothes he, off. He, yeah, exactly. He just, you know, <laughs> by the time he gets to why Des Hasler should be sacked, he should be showing his sack. <laughs> That's the money shot. 